0: Welcome to Emotional Detox. Today, I have a very special guest with me. Her name is Janelle Burley-Hoffman. She is an international author, a speaker, a consultant, specializing in the topic of technology, media, health, relationships, and well-being. Janelle is the creator of the original iPhone contract, and a thought leader in the space of digital mindfulness, digital parenting, and intentional use of tech. She's the author of the book, I Rules, What Every Tech Healthy Family Needs to Know About Selfies, Sexting, Gaming, Growing Up, published by Rodala Inc. Janelle is the founder of the Slow Tech Movement and I Rules Academy. Janelle, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited. <laughs> I am too. And for those of you who don't know, I, Janelle's also a, also a friend of mine. We've known each other, Janelle, for quite a long time. We've been through some parenting experiences together, and I've just been watching her out there. I, I, I couldn't wait to have you on the show Janelle because what people don't know is in addition to writing book I mean you are a traveling girl like you are really making the rounds and and what I love is you're hitting the pavement you're talking to families you're talking to parents you're crossing cultures you're you're talking to people. you know I can't imagine all the people that you're talking to but I, I'm watching you and I just am so eager to hear, what are you learning? Because we know, you know, this is emotional detox. The, the purpose of this show is to really give people a, a, a new way to think about their emotions. In the emotional detox world, I, I don't believe there is a bad emotion, right? I think they're all good, so long as we're feeling them. And it's really when we're not feeling our emotions that we create a lot of reactivity and toxicity in the body. And we know that the tech world is a place that people go, right? When they avoid feeling. And you know, we could talk for days. But to begin with, I want to know, Janelle, what are you learning out there about emotions and social media? What are you seeing that you can share with
1: us? Sure. So I, I really want to approach this conversation from a place of acceptance in this idea that there's not... A one size fits all, there's not a prescriptive way to have technology in our lives. And that frame is rooted in what I am seeing when I go out on the road. So, when I'm out on the road, I'm all over the US and outside of the US. I'm working primarily with young people directly in workshops and courses and programming and talks and trainings. I'm working with their families, their caregivers, parents, and foster parents and grandparents. I'm working with their teachers and their school leaders mental health professionals and law enforcement. And then I'm also working with people who are in the tech world, the people who are developing the technology, looking for best practices, looking at, you know, how they can build their own businesses while still being uh, corporate responsibility and, and taking that serious. So my experience is not just my own. Certainly as a mother of five children, I'm living parenting the technology. So my children are 11, 13, 15, 17, and 19. So I am absolutely seeing how much the tech is a part of their lives as well. So, so I come at this, there's some academia, there's some research in there, there's some lived experience. And then of course, there's this cross-section of interacting with people across demographics, cultures, religion, socioeconomics. And what I've really learned in that is that there isn't going to be a way that I can say, if you do these things, you'll be guaranteed this result, right? And I think what I see in terms of what shows up for families first is fear around technology. And I think that comes from the fact that our generation of parents didn't grow up with social media. We didn't grow up with smartphones. There's, there's not a touch point for us to be able to reflect on and say, when did my mom let me go on Instagram? Or when was I able to um, bring my device into my bedroom, right? We don't have those things we can reflect on as we try to say, I'd like to do it a little better than it was done for me, or I'd like to ease up in this area of technology. So, So we're learning as we go and we're learning as the research emerges. And so we can't even look at the research. You know, it's still in the very early stages. And so when I work with families, what I'm seeing right away is there's this tension around it. And there's this fear and there's this tension and there's this anxiety and, and this desire to get it right, which I deeply respect for a lot of families. We wanna give our kids the best possible opportunities. We want them to be connected. And, and so how do we do that and what does that look like? That's, that's a deeper question that families really have to spend some time reflecting on and examining and communicating about. So, so for me, it's not a criticism of families. I deeply understand why there's that tension and anxiety around it. And what I hope to guide families in is the opportunities for reflection, the opportunities to decide what what is it that you want from technology? Why are we saying yes to certain things? What's exciting and positive about the tech? You know, what's working? And then what isn't? What are some areas that we actually need to be worried about? And then how do we focus in on those things instead of this big umbrella, which is technology is bad, technology is scary, I don't know it, I'm overwhelmed and there's nothing I can do about it. And, and so unpacking a lot of that for families has been a huge component of my work, especially in the last few years as culturally, as we've all come together and say, okay, the tech is here to stay. It's not going away. And, and so in that, providing that guidance for families, that empowerment and that reassurance has been primary. But to be honest, that's the sweatiest part of the job it would be much easier to come in and say, do these five things, right? And I'll guarantee you'll, your kids will never make mistakes. They'll never be a problem. But that's not life. That's not parenting. That's not being human. So a lot of what I'm doing is providing that reassurance and guidance.
0: Wow. That's amazing. And that, that's, you're covering so much ground there. I mean, I really honor you for tackling this subject, Janelle. I mean, I, I, I always say to people... When I'm at conferences and book conferences selling my book, you know, especially when I had the four gifts of anxiety out there, I would have the book, the word anxiety on my table. I could just, some people would literally run from me. <laughs> yes. Some people would just like come to me and tell me everything. And it was like, it was very interesting just watching the triggers, right? So what I hear when I put on my emotional detox hat, it's that technology is a trigger, Phones can be a trigger for families. And how do you deal with that? And, I, and I'm wondering if, as you're talking, because there's so many layers to this, I'm wondering for the folks listening, if you have a family or maybe even a parent or a child in mind that you have seen the family move from fear towards acceptance. I know acceptance is a big thing. What did you learn from those families? What What did you... What were they able to go through that you were able to be like, wow, this family, look at look at the progress they've made around this very triggering topic. Is there a couple things that you could give to people of what you see?
1: Such a great question. And I love the, I love the frame of that as well. So the first thing that I would recommend to a family that's looking to shift their perspective on technology is saying... It's kind of my disclaimer. I call it the no nostalgia clause, meaning we can't go back. That technology is here to stay. So that, I mean, that in and of itself is a massive step in acceptance. So entering the room to a workshop, reading a book about technology, becoming a user of the internet and technology and being versed in what is it and how does it work And I don't mean like the, how do you code a website? I mean, okay, if I'm going to say yes to Instagram about my child, instead of holding all of that anxiety of, am I right? Am I wrong? Is it good? Is it bad? Instead saying, I'm going to get to know this. I'm going to use this. I'm going to practice a little bit. I'm going to have my child sit with me and get to know it. And maybe they have some things they can teach me. Or that applies to, to video gaming. There's this tension and there's this stereotype of what it means to be a video gamer. And I see a lot of families come to me with that tension of, are all video games bad? And they want to categorize it. Now, now certainly there are some levels where we need different types of intervention. And I'm not necessarily talking about that. At this point, I'm talking about typical use. And what I say to families is if you're, if there's so much tension around it, and there's so much struggle, what if you sat with your child and played Fortnite? What would that look like? If even if you um, fumbled through a game and let them kind of tease you for it, or um, let them watch them play the game, listen to how it works, see why it might be meaningful to them, right, to really come over into their world is such a beautiful step instead of that resistance. If we can lean into or soften into the fact that the technology is going to be a part of their lives. So I've seen families get a lot of relief out of that prescription alone. I think they're used to hearing less, more boundaries, more rigidity. There's more work on the parent. And I'm asking them to soften a little bit towards it, normalize the use get to know it. And when we start coming at it through that lens, all of a sudden there might be joy. There might be fun. There might be some playfulness that comes with it. And what I see in the kids is they don't feel like they have to sneak or hide or lie about their use. It's been brought out into the open for families and it's been kind of centered as the way we would about their their drama program or their youth sports or if we were watching an nba game or the world cup together that we might come after and talk about that it might be some point of connection instead of a point of a tear or a disconnect and so when i ask friends and family and communities to think of it through that lens I really believe that there's some step towards acceptance in that softening, in that understanding, and at the very least, when I can see relief in a parent or caregiver's eyes of, Wow, she's not asking me to do the impossible. When I watch those shoulders come down, when I don't ask for perfection of myself or others, something definitely shifts, and I know you understand that deeply as, as a parent and a person who does the work that you do is. The ask isn't don't you dare get this wrong. The ask is how can this look and feel like our family or our situation in a way that we can live with, in a way that feels okay. That's
0: really powerful. So what what you're saying is in some ways you're saying embrace it and use it as a tool for connecting and bonding with your child, getting into their world. And yes, I can I can so relate to that. I you know, just recently I I was thinking about reflecting how, especially with my oldest daughter, which makes sense because again, they're the ones that we sort of, we didn't have the tools and the knowledge we have and we handed them these devices and nobody knew what they were doing kind of thing. And I always say that I'm, I am I I've spend most of my parenting journey with her always pointing out the easier way or the better way. And she always chooses the harder way. <laughs> she always chooses the, the, the tougher journey. And and finally, I had to sit back and say, you know what, maybe that's what her soul wants. Maybe, maybe that her soul doesn't want it easy. We run ahead and we just want to prepare them that, well, this could happen and that could happen. And, and you're never going to, you know, it, it was really when I took a step back and accepted her that, okay, she's going to choose this route. And um, that's, that's what her soul wants right now. But I, I, I love that. I love that acceptance and maybe you can find joy, which I can completely relate to. I'm curious to know, Janelle, because you have five children, how has this journey changed you? Meaning, and how has it changed your parenting? Can you talk about the shifts in yourself from you know the moment you wrote the contract and then you have all this, oh my God, she wrote a contract. And if those of you are listening, if you don't know, look up her iPhone contract. <laughs> um, that's really what was the impetus for all of this. People just, I mean, you could tell people were so hungry for how do we do this, right? <laughs> right? Put some structure around this and, and they needed some conversation. So look up the contract and see what she wrote and what have you learned? How have you been impacted as a parent since the time you've written the
1: contract, going through all of
0: this, now where are you
1: at? Sure. And and to put it into a little bit of a timeline, so the contract was written in 2012. And so my son that I wrote that for was 13 at the time, and now he's, you know, heading into his second year of college, almost 20 years old. So, I mean, in a lot of ways everything has shifted, right? I had five children under 13, and now they're kind of in this older stage where they're becoming themselves, they're becoming individuals as when I wrote the book and when I wrote the contract, we were still very much this unit in the way that the adults lead. The way for young people. And now we, we are kind of in this phase where we're walking alongside them, right? And we're guiding them into becoming and leading their own lives. So there's been that shift. Every one of my children is so different. So of course, the way they interact with technology is different. And of course, their tendencies and their interests and the way that they use technology is very different. Just like we would think about um, their behavioral tendencies. We would think about their appetites. We would think about their energy levels. All of those things that we assess. We have to also think about when we think about technology, a a boundary that might work for one child doesn't necessarily work for another. And so there's been deep learning that's just gone on in general through the parenting of so many personalities and so many individuals while still trying to keep the core values of our family, the core system, those those intangibles, like how we treat other people, whether it's on the in the halls of the classroom or the halls of the internet, right? Those expectations don't change. Um, That we expect that everyone contributes to the family system in a big way. We're all responsible for how this team is going to work and how we show up in that. And so if there's a tech curfew at night, right? That the devices need to be turned off we need our sleep, we need our rest. Everybody kind of has to, to have this level of buy-in that's going to work, but the nitty gritty might be different based on age and behavior and needs at that particular time, that particular season. So I'm always learning. This will not be fixed. We could have this conversation in a month and I would say, oh, I learned, you know, I learned this whole new thing, or we just lived through this whole experience. But I will say in the work the way that I've been deeply impacted. And again, this could be a conversation that I could have for a week about all the ways that I've been blessed with the knowledge of interacting with so many people. It continues to open. My heart continues to open. And in a way, I used to think that I had these firm beliefs about how it should be to raise a family. And by deep listening, by big empathy, By being willing to slow myself down and and listen with intention to others and to imagine what it's like to be in their world or in their situation that might be very different from mine or even very similar, but they might choose to make, have it look different. That has shifted everything for me. And hearing so many perspectives, really from students themselves, I started to realize I'm going to change the narrative around tech is bad on behalf of the children that I work with who are feeling empowered by technology who are saying, when I ask them, what do you love about your screens? What do you love about tech? And they say, I feel connected to the global society. I feel like I can access information really quick that I want. I feel like I can stay connected to my friends and family. I feel like I can make plans easier. I can stay more organized with my homework. I was really looking forward to taking music lessons, but my family couldn't afford it. So I taught myself guitar over YouTube, right? When you actually listen to young people by the thousands of the way tech has positively impacted their lives, it's very hard to only have a fear-based rigid approach because you think, wow, this is a major impact on their lives, but it's not only negative. And I think that's the narrative that gets told. And so I tell young people, my work with adults is going to be on your behalf to say, we need to know what this is. We need to know how it's being used. We certainly need to set some boundaries around it for a variety of reasons, right? Because there's not just the sunshine and lollipops that go with it. There are some real challenges that show up just like they would show up if we didn't have screens in adolescence and growing up. We can address those issues and hold firm in that only if we acknowledge the benefits and we acknowledge that positive. And so that's what the young people have taught me. And that's the way I've leaned in and that I've softened and I've begun to understand. And, and you reminded me when you were talking about your oldest daughter, I'm thinking about my, my second child and my second son who loves video gaming and he's almost 17. And we live with that tension a lot of times, but we name it. I'll express that sometimes when I see him, i um, playing video games for an extended period of time. I start to feel emotions about it. And I start to have big feelings about it, right? So I've addressed the idea that idle people are uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable, physically idle, right? It's uncomfortable for me. And so if I can name that and say, wow, like my anxiety is rising a little bit. He's been playing that game for a while. So I can notice that. And that does a lot for me. And we've had a lot of conversations around, he will need a time limit, right? I call it a tech curfew. There are days of the week that he doesn't play it just because the way our life works, that's an easier boundary to have than trying to negotiate 20 or 30 minutes. So we've had to live our way into some answers that I really needed his input for. I really needed to engage him. He needed to be part of that conversation because I think if I just came in and said, here's what you can't do, and I brought all of my stuff to it, we would have found ourselves in tension and conflict through all of his teen years. But instead, we opted to do the dance, which is harder in a lot of ways, but it's rooted in mutuality, which is I love and respect you. I see how much this game means to you. You're hanging out with your friends while you're playing it. You're laughing and having fun with it. That is going to be part of your life. I need some other areas of your life to continue to thrive, right? I need you to move your body. I need you to hang out with friends in real life, in person. I need your grades to stay up. I need you to do your chores, take the trash out, come to dinner when I call. So if I look at you, my son, who I love so much, on the, as the whole person and not just a person who loves gaming so much. It's such a big part of his life. I look at him as a whole person. All of a sudden, I think, wow, I can parent this a lot better. I'm a lot more empowered to parent this because I've made some decisions around connection. And it's still very challenging sometimes because it's part of adolescence to push on boundaries. It's part of growing up is to say, "Like, I don't really think that's fair. I'd like to see a shift in that rule. Can we talk about it? But- Without the other children that I've worked with, I don't think my own parenting would be as strong and deep as it is. So for me, there's an unlimited, infinite amount of ways I've been changed by families letting me into their world, by families being honest with me, by families showing me the way and young people showing me the way and taking my hand a lot of times, even though I'm brought in as, you know, the quote unquote expert, that I've been guided and taught in so many deep ways that has informed every bit of my life and the relationships that are deeply meaningful to me.
0: Wow, that's amazing. So many things you said in there are so helpful. I, um, for example, I love when you said, ask them, what do you love about technology? I, I love that question. That's such a good question. I'm definitely going to ask my, my kids about that. And, and changing the narrative that tech is not bad right? So it reminds me of the, in the emotional detox, it's like, I, I say emotions are not bad <laughs> because it's the same thing. We've been trained to compare, contrast, compare to one another. And it's like, no, not, they're, none of them are bad, right? They're all feelings. And when they're felt, you are going to feel better. And you know, acknowledging the benefits that you said, I love that. Noticing your own, when your own levels of anxiety are increasing and acknowledging that and naming that and checking in with yourself. So those are so much that you've given us today. I so appreciate it. Just 30-minute conversation. I feel a little bit more empowered (laughs) going back. And the last question I have, Janelle, and then I want you to let everyone know where to find your book, um, your information, is that just one strategy for how when you see a kid sort of when they're on it, I I hear a lot of parents say, and I'm, I'm thinking of family gatherings when I see people say, okay, get off your phone, get off your phone, right? It's time, put your phone away. And you can see the kid just sort of reluctantly putting it away. Any recommendations for that when you are, let's say you're at a public family event. And as a parent, you see your kid is in the corner on their phone. I know that's a big question, but any any ways to handle that that
1: you would recommend? Sure. Certainly our phones can be that, that safety blanket, that pacifier, that tool to uh, kind of soothe the discomfort of like a family gathering or a reunion or a new environment. And, and so first of all, it's just saying like, we get that. We understand that, why that might happen. And One of the strategies that I love to use and offer to families, and this might take a little practice if families are not in the practice of having proactive conversations. If we're going, let's say, to to a family reunion, we live here on Cape Cod. And so a lot of visitors, a lot of people, we're hosting a lot of times, we're doing a lot of meetups. And I understand that that's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for the adults, right? So saying that literally saying those words, like we're going into an environment. Um, It might be a little uncomfortable at first. These are people that you haven't met before. There might be some kids there, you know, giving them the expectations of what's going to happen. And then saying it would really mean a lot to me if we just put our devices away while we're there, you know, we'll be there for two or three hours. Let's all be uncomfortable together. We'll get through it. We'll survive it. You know, we won't die because of it. So I think anytime we can number one, normalize that those emotions exist. Number two, set our expectations in advance without this, don't you dare take your phone out, this kind of threat. And kids are used to being shamed about their tech use, right? They're really protective of their devices because a lot of grownups come in like kids these days. They're always on their phones. They're never talking to each other. They don't know how to interact. And that is a lie. Like, I just want to say that if you're saying that, you aren't around young people. They are absolutely communicating a lot over their devices, but they are absolutely capable of getting jobs, getting to college and learning to meet new people, being trained, working hard, being high-functioning academic members of society. So, So I push back on that narrative that young people don't know how to engage or interact anymore. And in every setting, we'll say that because I think it's the easy button. I think it's way too easy to say that. So recognizing that they will be defensive if we're constantly calling them out for the ways that they use it. Well, something that we do in our family, let's say there's um, a family cookout we have to be at and a game that the kids have really wanted to watch is, is happening live. They might say to me, mom, do you mind if I just check the score real quick? Or I just wanted you to know, I'm, I'd like to take some pictures, so I'm gonna take my phone out to take some pictures. Like They don't always have to bounce that off of me, but that mutual respect of like, I, don't you dare Or I have to go to the bathroom to hide looking at my social media, right? I don't want to live in that world. I want to live in a world that's flexible. I want to live in a world where my kids aren't afraid to say, like, this is my need in this moment. And I also want to be an empowered parent that says, we're all going to sit down and eat together. It's time for devices to go away. And I do believe that all of those things can exist when respect is at the very, very core of what our expectations are for ourselves and for our children. Wow, that was
0: fabulous. Thank you so much and I absolutely agree with you. I always I always say that I'm so grateful that I'm I'm still teaching psychology at the college level because I get so many young people and I always tell my husband the best part of my job is i get I get to meet young people and see how amazing they are and and how good they are and their intentions and so I absolutely agree with you if you have that narrative you 're not spending enough time with younger generations because it really does i that 's one of the reasons I keep doing it honestly is I get to be around younger people and they inspire me and they give me hope for the future so Thank you so, so, so much. This was so incredibly helpful. I know a lot of people are going to get a lot of support today. So tell us, where do we get your book, your website? Are you available for, you know, let's say you have a family that's really drowning? You, do you do private
1: work? Do you do group work? What's the deal there? Sure. So all of the above. Um, so you can visit my website, which is JanelleBurleyHoffman.com. And iRules, the book is available anywhere books and eBooks and audiobooks are sold. And yes, I do private small groups. Um, you can bring me into your community to do, you know, uh, on the ground, I've been to parents just want to do something in their neighborhood or with their child friend group or we can do one-on-one. I can come in through the school in that regard. So so any of those ways that can happen. It can also happen virtually um, if resources just only allow for, you know, like a conference like we're having today, this conversation. So so a phone call, all of those things are available on my email. My social media is all an easy way to get back to me. I respond to all of my emails and and all of the messages that I get. So so feel free to to reach out with any requests or any opportunities in that way. And the biggest takeaway that we can do that one shift is just in how do I feel about the technology and when do those feelings show up for me? And so if there's a first step that families can take as they're starting to enter in this conversation is maybe just keeping a journal of, wow, I felt really annoyed in this moment or I felt okay hey, that, that type of tech use didn't really bother me. And if we start to become observers of our own lives, observers of our own families, that's giving us a lot of information to make some of these shifts and changes. And because I know the ask of acceptance of tech is a big one. And I don't mean to just smooth over it, but just getting in touch with ourselves and thinking about ourselves and our feelings, so connected to your work, so connected to what you do. And, and it's, a, it's a great first step. a big conversation.
0: Thank you so much. And I will make sure everybody that I put her website with this recording, which, you know, you can find all, all the podcasts on my website, sherryannaboyle.com go there and you can grab her links, um, as well as her book link there. So thank you again. Thank you. And have a great day, everybody. Thank you, Janelle. Thanks.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about the Emotional Detox live group coaching sessions and all of Sheriana's books, go to sharianaboyle.com.